Mike, Mike, listen. It's going at the end. Cut it now. Put it at the end. We'll deal with it later. Do you do that a lot? Do you talk to yourself a lot like that in the show? Not always, but just in case I'm coloring. Yeah, but see, that can be the bumper now, where you were just talking to yourself, giving yourself instructions. That's not going to happen. That can be the beginning of the show. Why not? Why won't you put it there? <laughs> Mike, future Mike, you need to put this at the start of the show. Did you ever think this day would come? What day is this? It's our cortex anniversary. Oh, happy cortex anniversary, Mike. Happy cortex anniversary to you too, Greg. Have we been doing this for a year? A year, a whole year. Do you remember your very strong commitment for ten? Uh, yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, those days, <laughs> those days are long gone now, my friend. So what is this? This is episode thirty. Thirty. Yeah. This is where our very peculiar schedule is always going to ruin the numbering. What do you mean? Right, because we did the first 10 on a weekly basis. Right, yeah, yeah. No, I won't forget that. I won't forget that anytime soon. Yeah, that was horrific. (laughs) Whose idea was that? It was my idea. It was your idea. I had to be put through the fire to understand, right? Like, I went through a horrible scenario. I now know the way to do this show. It's not every week. It's not every week, no. But yeah, we made it. We made it, and uh, I look forward to our next cortex anniversary. Oh, that's optimistic. Well, I like to, I like to live that way. <laughs> like in all seriousness, it's great. I wasn't sure if we would get this far. As always with podcasts, I just assume that the end of all things to discuss is right around the corner. Every episode feels like, oh, this is probably going to be the last episode of any podcast I ever do. Like, what else can there possibly be to talk about? But there's always more stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think this has gone this has gone pretty well. It's gone pretty well. Happy Cortex anniversary to everyone. I did not get you flowers. Oh no. <laughs> don't don't open that parcel just yet. <laughs> so we had a much larger response to our touch typing survey than I expected we would. I haven't looked at any of this because I wanted to wait for the show cuz mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious to see what you would put together. You did give me a little preview of some of the data and whenever that was 24 hours after the show went up Mm -hmm. there were already what seemed like a huge number of replies so lots of people it seemed like wanted to share their information about when they learned or did not learn to touch type what is the final number of people who filled out the survey mike 3944 people (laughs) have given their submissions for the Cortex touch typing questionnaire, which that is, is a lot of it's answers. a lot, it's a lot, and the Reddit thread was a blaze, um, <laughs> which ended up not being very useful, like statistically, because you cannot do anything with all of that, right? All you do is you just see the comments. So I was really pleased that we had the questionnaire because we could actually get data, which could kind of try and give us some answers. So what I did was um, I took two thousand responses and put them into a second sheet that I made public to the world mm-hmm. um, so people could take that data and try and help us understand it a little bit better because mm-hmm. the form on its own didn't give me some of the answers that I wanted. So when once we started getting all this data, I was like, hmm, it would be interesting if we could break some of it down by age, right? Because mm-hmm. we had the age question in there, but I was wondering, like, would it be different for older and younger people as to how they answered, as to whether they were taught to touch type, that kind of thing. 
Um, we got some fantastic responses and people doing really interesting things with that data, which I'm going to put in the show notes. So you can continue to play around with it if you want to and take a look for yourself. But I think the overall points that I took away from this um, is that it seems to indicate from our data, our completely scientific data, mm-hmm. that the older you are, the more likely you are to know how to touch type. Mm-hmm. And also you're more likely to have been taught at school. Mm-hmm. And it also appears that the younger you are, the more likely you were able to touch type on the touchscreen. Mm. That was, I guess, everyone's hypothesis, right? Yeah, but you never know until but you, you never collect know. data. And there is a much higher amount of people in the younger age brackets that could touch type, or at least self-identified as touch typing. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that's one part that, you know, I learned a few things in this, like, if I would have thought we would have had uh, the size of responses that we did, maybe I would have asked some questions differently, added in some other questions. Um, like, you know, what is touch typing to you? Because right, some right. people don't look at the keyboard, but that isn't what I think of as touch typing. I think of like that whole method that you learn in typing classes. I disagree with you there. I totally disagree with you. If you can type on the keyboard without looking, that is touch typing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, okay. No, I, mean, I, I get what you mean. Okay, I'm just thinking like as a way to understand if someone was taught it or mm-hmm. if they were self-taught. Mm-hmm. I think because mm-hmm. when I think of like touch typing, like capitalized, I think of like what how you are taught in a typing class right? as opposed to like I cannot look at a keyboard and type. I, I think mm-hmm. they're both completely valid, but I think they come from different areas. And now I'm interested in learning of the people that know did they teach themselves? You know, that kind of thing. Mm. So we have some of that, like, the, are you learning and did you learn to t- touch type in school? So there's still more data that I can dig into. But overall, I, this is a very useful exercise and we all learned something. Yeah, like I'm looking at some of the charts that friend of the show underscore David Smith made. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, on the question, uh, did does your school offer touch typing lessons? That peaks for people in the age range of 51 to 60 at almost 80%, right? They're, they're saying like, yes, touch typing was a thing that their school offers. Uh, and then you get down to essentially 0 to 21, that age bracket is about, looks like about 45% on the chart. Yeah. The slope follows upward in that direction. So the older you are, the more likely it is that you learn to touch type at school. Uh, but the one that I really like is the question about can you touch type on the glass without looking. Yep. And that peaks for the 17 to 21-year-old demographic is essentially 60% can type on a glass screen without looking. Which is a higher percentage than I would have expected. It is way higher than I would have guessed. Slightly younger is slightly less, which is a little bit surprising, but I can kind of see maybe why in retrospect. My thinking would be the people in the 0 to 16 bracket have had less experience. Yeah, that was my thought afterward as well. It's it's a combination of less experience and probably less need to do a lot of typing. Yep. Uh, but it's still shockingly high at 55%. But what I love is when you get to the 60 plus percent the number who can touch type on a glass screen without looking drops to exactly 0%. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not zero rounded off. It's exactly 0% 
of people 60 or older said that they could type on glass without looking. And the 51 to 60 demographic is at just barely 6%. Uh. (laughs) Something that I also picked up from looking in the Reddit is it seems like um, typing classes do still exist, but mainly in America. Hmm. Just from looking at people's comments, it seems that not a lot of people in the UK, if any, or in Europe are taught to touch type, but it seems like there are still parts of America where it's part of the curriculum because it wasn't like resounding for everyone. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of people saying to me, like, what, your schools don't teach it? So I will infer from that, no, they do not, and that yours must do, and you are in America, so maybe there's still some of that going on. Hmm. But yeah, I uh, I think this was this was interesting. I'm really glad that you took the time to put the survey together. Because, yes, as you said, a, a large, large number of anecdotal answers in Reddit is interesting to read through, but it's hard to pull out more specific trends. Yep. So uh, this was this was great to have the data, and the links will be in the show notes for people who want to play around with it and visualize it uh, further than we have done so far today. I think the only downside from doing this is that now I am survey hungry. <laughs> What do you mean? Now I want to do surveys for everything. So I'm going to have to just try and resist myself from doing that. Like now I want to know everything about how people manage email, but I won't do it. (laughs) Every episode of Cortex comes with an appropriate survey now. I won't do it, Gray, but I want to, but I won't. I think if if you want to put in the time to to construct a well-done survey, then I, th- I think you can go survey crazy. There's nothing wrong with that. I feel like it should be tactically deployed. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> otherwise we'll have survey fatigue. <laughs> okay. All right. I can, get, I can get behind that. Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you by Smile and the brand new text expander, Simply Indispensable. I want you to imagine that you never have to type the same email address, chunk of code, slogan, marketing copy, directions, or data more than once. With TextExpander, you can store any piece of information as a snippet and then just activate it with a shortcut that you create. For example, I type the names of the shows on Relay FM very frequently, so I have snippets set up for all of them. For example, if I want to say Cortex, I type CCO and it pops up. Cortex is right there. It's very easy. TextExpander helps you save one of your most precious resources, time. You're able to harness the power of fill-in-the-blank snippets as well to customize common responses, something else I do very frequently when I email to our sponsors and let them know about their ads being placed on the episode. I have a fill-in snippet that I can activate. It lets me put in the name, the show, the information, and also allows me to personalize it a little bit as well, but it keeps the same kind of form and format that I'm used to, so I'm able to standardize my responses. This stuff is so easy with Text Expander, and now you can also share groups of snippets with others. This would allow people on your team to all have access to the same knowledge, and if something changes, it just needs to be updated once. Text Expander is like a shared bank of information for all of the people that work in your team. Text Expander includes apps for the Mac, iPhone, iPad, and now Windows, which is currently in beta. No matter where you are, you'll have all of the snippets that you need on all of your devices, and now your team can too. 
Lifehacker subscriptions cost $40 per year and include all of the apps and the Text Expander sharing service as well. Discounts are available for registered Text Expander users. And now with team subscriptions, you can also have access to organized focus snippet management, detailed access control, consolidated billing, and so much more. Boost your productivity and learn more at smilesoftware.com slash Cortex. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show. So it's time to check in on the hiring project. Yes. How's it going? I assume that now, based on our last conversation, you have taken a look at the submissions. Yes. Yes. Uh, I feel like between last time we spoke and today when we are recording, it has been an unusually ridiculously busy time for me. So I have less progress to report than I might otherwise want. But I have I have definitely moved forward on this. I have looked at all of the applications uh, and I've gone through a little bit of a process trying to whittle them down and select people to work with in the future. How many submissions did you get? All right, what would you guess Ooh, for submissions? This is a more fun game. Take a guess. What do you think? Um... 176. Wow, look at you. Very precise guess there. Because, look, if I'm right, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> right, yeah, this is, exactly. R- return, on, return on this this roll of the dice here. You look like a psychic, if you exactly. are correct. And you're almost certainly wrong anyway, so there's no, <laughs> there's no downside to guessing. Exactly. Uh, so here are the numbers. At the time that we are recording, the video has about... 40,000 views, so we can assume that 40,000 people in some way were exposed to the existence of this application. And when I took a look to see what was in my Dropbox folder, which was about a week after the supposed deadline where I was going to look, there were 75 applications waiting for me to take a look at. That's a really good number, because... If it would have been a lot higher than that, one, it would have been super hard to go through, mm-hmm. and the quality would have probably been overall worse. I would expect that you were able to really whittle it down to a more manageable number. Yeah, and this is a bit of an estimate on my part, but I think that the number of total submissions that I may have gotten might actually be quite close to your guess, around 150. Uh, because after the point at which I looked at it, I just had a message to my assistant to anybody who submitted from that point on, she was only to pass it along if it really struck her as something worth taking a look at. Right. Uh, And I did see, I did just look and see uh, briefly that there were a bunch more submissions after that, but none of them made it through her barrier. Uh, So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the total number was 150, but the number that I actually looked at was 75. And this was like, like so many moments in life, it is really easy to overestimate how easy a task is until you try to do it yourself. And so I just had a lot, a lot of sympathy for hiring managers and HR people in this moment 
because I was thinking, oh, this is going to be super easy just to go through a bunch of applications. How hard can it possibly be? And it turns out the answer is it's a lot harder than you think it is uh, going going through this. So I ended up having to break it into two parts. I did a first pass where <laughs> all, I, all I was doing was I literally created a folder called tolerable. And so my estimation there was all I want to do on round one is put anything that is tolerable or better into this folder. Because simply trying to watch all of the videos, since some of them were very different in quality, it's like it was surprisingly hard to make comparisons after watching three or four videos. Uh, like your brain just gets really muddled up with all the details. So I thought, okay, I just need to do a quick first pass of which ones are definitely out and which ones are definitely in. So I sorted it that way. And then I thought, okay, once I have done that, then I can try again to make finer distinctions between some of the applications. Uh, but so that, that was the round one. And then I did a round two, uh, which was trying to limit it down a bit further. But that's that's how I ended up doing this on my own so far. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me, because I think if you watch so many things in a row, you kind of lose track of what's better than the, the than another. Right. Yeah. So like whittling it down by like, can I watch this and it doesn't hurt my eyes is a good way of doing things. Right. Round one was basically identify the instant no's. Right. That that was all I, yeah. what I was trying to do, because I realized very quickly that as you're watching through stuff, you end up comparing the thing that you're currently watching mentally to the thing that you have just watched. And yeah. You're like, wait a minute. That's not that's not what this comparison should be at all. I can't do this just all in one go in in the way I was originally intending. Yeah. Uh so it was interesting uh just again since I think the, the whole purpose of this show is to talk like about the about the, the details of being self-employed and of course there's there's some things here that I won't be able to discuss because we're talking about actual people but of the 75 applications that I had 50 of them were sorted as instant nos and 25 of them were sorted as tolerable or better. So that was the round one of the applications. What happens next was that I had to give my brain a couple of days to filter that out, right? Mm -hmm. To kind of like, okay, forget what you've seen, and I need to come back to this at a later point. So I gave it, I gave it a little while. And this, this is where uh, we may return to it later. But a whole other thing happened, which distracted my attention for for a little bit. So this has gone on a bit longer than I, I would have wanted to otherwise. Uh, but when I came back, then I was trying to make a decision about there are these 25 applications. I want to narrow this down as much as I can, again, based solely on the animation. So... I'm still looking at all of these things as files with just single numbers. I don't know anything about the people. I don't know where they are. I don't know their experience. I'm just looking at the animations. And the second round of cutting was a much harder thing to do. But I did a round two that took it from 25 down to 10. So that was the the second round of trying to figure out what's happening. And there I was looking at many more finer details about the animations. Like, oh, what what choices did you make to animate this or that? Uh, some of the things that are very hard to articulate is, for example, watching a video is seeing 
did the person get me to laugh when I'm watching the video? Like, did this person do something that matches up with my sense of humor? Right. This, again, that's not to say that the people that I didn't select weren't funny, but the question is, do they match up with the kind of joke that I might make in a in a video? Right. Like that's that's what I'm I'm looking for there. Uh, and so yeah, it was it was it was again surprisingly hard to do. Uh, but it was down to 10 then. So what's happening now is that my assistant is reaching out to those 10 and collecting some information that I want to have about the applications at this point to be able to make some decisions about where to go in the future. Is it seeming like that this was the worthwhile experiment you were hoping it would be? I'm feeling pretty good about how this has been going. Uh, it's especially interesting to me because I am, as we are recording, I am currently in the middle of animating my next video, which should be out uh, in a few days. And of course, while I am in the process of animating this video, I can't help but have my mind constantly turn to thinking about how will this be different when I'm working with somebody else. And before the application went out, I was just really nervous and really concerned about the kind of quality of applications that I was going to get. And now, now being future me who has seen the applications, I I have to say that the average quality of application was much higher than I was expecting, Hmm. which to me was a big, big relief. Like, okay, I am glad to see that there are lots of skilled people in here yeah and, and even i just i do have to say that for lots of the applications that i rejected those people could be motion animators like without a doubt i rejected people who could do this for a living uh like just but just the average quality was quite high and then that's where it starts to come down to again just some of the particulars about how would i do something or what are the yeah. the particular choices that they made about it's how to not necessarily that about that person's skill but it's their understanding of your style which is the, the point i guess yeah exactly and and but that that is what made it so hard is because there were definitely some applications where i felt like i want to reject this but this person is undoubtedly good like they're very good they just made decisions that i don't agree with for my own style uh, and it's just a strange position to be in. But overall, I, I was very happy to see the the quality of the submissions. And in my experience of animating the, the video that I'm currently working on, it's a huge relief to know that in the future, I will almost certainly be working with someone to help make this process easier because uh, I can tell I can tell that I am still not fully recovered from some of the RSI problems I had uh, the Uh, last video or the video prior to that like i am having to work in much shorter bursts and with larger breaks between bursts like i can just still feel that i am not uh fully recovered from that before and so it's it's just i think everything has happened at the right time Mm -hmm. like i was already thinking about bringing people on board i had a i had a thing that accelerated this whole process which i think ultimately is good and I'm looking at these applications, and I have to say, of of the 10 people that uh, I'm going to get some more information about, I think any of them I could imagine working with to produce animations in the future. Like, I, I think that there's there are definitely people here that I can work with, and 
I want to work with in the future, presuming presuming that everything works out uh, between us and that it's all okay. Were you plan on giving feedback to the applicants? It was a thing that crossed my mind uh, because <laughs> I remember when I was applying for a, a job as a teacher that the schools did give feedback to people if they didn't select you. One of the very first school I ever applied to, uh, I didn't realize they were offering me a job and I sort of talked myself out of the job. And then I got some feedback about how like, you seemed really uncommitted to the school. And then I realized like, oh, I realized what was happening here. Uh, <laughs> I had this, okay, I'll have to tell you now, but I, I applied to this school, which was very high on the list. Like I had a short list of three schools that I, I really wanted to work at. And I applied to one of them. And you do the whole, you do a whole test lesson and then you talk to the head of department and then you talk to the head of the school and then presumably they have a little meeting about you and then they walk you out to the front and someone's talking to you. And as the head of, head of department was walking me out of the building, he was going, what would you say if we offered you the job right now? And I said, oh, well, I'd, I'd have to think about it uh, because I, I, don't, I don't like to make decisions on the spot. And he was like, but what if but what if we were going to offer it to you right now? And I was like, well, I, I would just I would just have to think about it. <sighs> and <laughs> like I was just a total idiot. Like I just didn't realize what was occurring there. And I remember he was like really insistent on this point all the way out to the front door about but if we were to tell you at this very moment that you could start work immediately, what would you think about that? And I was like, I, I would just have to think about it. And then it was a couple of days later when I got a, a, a phone call from the headmistress and she was telling me how it seemed like I was uncommitted to the school. And then it was like the other penny dropped. I was like, oh, that's what was happening. <laughs> that's my experience with feedback for applying to jobs. <laughs> no desire to have an impulse. But I don't know, like when I watch Shark Tank, I always think when the VCs offer a deal and they're like, oh, there's a, we're, here's a deal, but you have to say yes or no right now. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, my blanket policy is no. If you if you need me to decide right now, the answer is no. Right, but this is why you would never go on that show. <laughs> no, I would, no, I would never go on that show. Because <laughs> it's pointless. But I think that's a reasonable policy. You spend hours and hours preparing for it. You go on the show, <laughs> give your pitch, they offer you the $100,000 you want, and you tell them you need to go away and think about it. Yeah, it's not unreasonable. <laughs> anyway going back to the feedback questions <laughs> right i did think about it simply because of the large number of applications and also because of how surprisingly busy my past two weeks were i, I realized if i was going to do this i would want to do it right hmm. and this was this would quite easily be two full days of work to to just write back with feedback on the applications what about to the final 10 it's a much smaller number these people all know that you're kind of interested. Yeah. Now, maybe they would be at least a, a more manageable task to give feedback to those 10. Yeah, it's a possibility. It's it's a possibility, but I'm not sure how much more specific the feedback would be at this stage than just some peculiar reasoning on my part. Sometimes that's all it takes though, just to know so you don't question it. Yeah, I guess. I just again, I think all of the all of the 10 the people who, by the time this goes up, will almost certainly have replied uh, if, if they got the email in their inbox. Uh, like any of them, I could imagine working with. Sure. Uh, so it, it feels like that's isn't that feedback enough? I don't know. But yeah, it's to just reiterate my earlier answer is I am feeling 
pretty good about this. Uh, it's, it's it's going slower than I would have otherwise wanted, but I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this. And at at this stage, it's just going to come down to the peculiarities of working with the individuals, or like when are people available? Uh, you know, like at this at this stage, it's just going to be uh, I think very particular, and maybe not a whole lot to be gained from talking about those details. Like it's just just the specifics. We have a new sponsor on Cortex, and that is Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. And yes, that means you as well. For less than just $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to help you make delicious home-cooked meals. Every Blue Apron meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. You're able to customize your recipes each week based on your own dietary preferences and choose the delivery option that fits your own needs. There's no weekly commitment, so you can get deliveries when you want them. And Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental US. New recipes are created each week by Blue Apron's culinary team and are not repeated within a year, so you're not going to get the same stuff over and over again. You're going to get new and exciting food every single time. You can cook meals like crispy cod and cabbage slaw tacos with pepita, pineapple and avocado salsa or pan-seared pork chops with two cheese mashed potatoes and sautéed spinach. That was so difficult to say because the food is so great as I'm saying it. My mouth is filling with saliva. All of these meals are awesome. And let me tell you, once you have Blue Apron delivering to your home, you're going to get better at cooking, you're going to learn new skills, you're going to try new things, and you'll be able to keep all those recipes and just remake them later if you like. Your mind will be opened to a new world of culinary delights. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with fresh ingredients that support a more sustainable food system, you can make incredible meals. Blue Apron sets the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ranchers, Ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron brings you the best. Check out this week's menu and get your two meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash cortex. This is free food, guys. Just go check it out. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Visit blueapron.com slash cortex, and we thank Blue Apron for their support of Cortex. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Um, of the people that are in the last final 10, it sounds like a reality show now. You give roses out to the ones that you like and <laughs> yeah. maybe you give them like Wacom styluses or something, you know? Yeah. That's how they know. Yeah, that'll work. Um, of the ones that are through to the final round, uh, are there any in there or are they all kind of in a scenario where you could have an all-in-one person? I know we spoke about that before, about like someone who would be animator and illustrator uh, 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 is this something that you think might exist in these people yeah i would say that all of these people would be totally fine as animator illustrators and what i was kind of thinking from the beginning but didn't quite want to say is work collaboratively on storyboards like yeah. i if a person is good my thought is i want their feedback on a storyboard like if, if i can give them a script i think I think a good workflow, again, this is me just speculating, just thinking about it in the future, but all of these people seem really good. And so my thought is that if I have scripts, one of the things I might be able to do is say, look, here is the script. 
I'm going to do a rough storyboard. You separately do a rough storyboard. And together, let's see what is the best thing to do. Right, because those people have already done that. Right, exactly. That was the first challenge, right? Was take just the audio, not even the script, right? Making Mm -hmm. it even harder than it would be. Mm-hmm. and make something entertaining out of this and to get into that position that they're in now they have done that yeah so it's again it's it's a it's a strong group of people and all of them could be animator illustrators storyboarder people so i think i can't remember i can't remember what i said in the last episode that i was expecting like a 25% chance that i might be able to find someone who fills that all in one role and here I am with 10 possibilities mm-hmm. of people who could fill that all in one role. <laughs> so uh, I think I dramatically, dramatically underestimated last time. <laughs> that was my bet, by the way, that you would find lots of people that could do both. Because how else could they have gotten to the point where they made the submission? Yeah, it was, it, you, you, are, you are totally right. Uh, you were right on this one. Hashtag Mike was right, I mm-hmm. guess, because mm-hmm. uh, you like to hear that. I, I love to hear that. Right. I know it's it's a sweet, sweet sound to your ears. So I'll give it to you. It is core <laughs> to my emotional wellness. <laughs> so you found these ten people. Is there going to be a fleet of CGP Grey animator illustrators? <laughs> like you have ten now. It's an abundance. This is where I have found things a little bit tricky is I'm I'm not 100% sure how to proceed from this point. Yeah. Because again, this is where I for the purposes of hiring, I again wish that I was a bigger entity. I would love to be able to do something like bring on three animators and and have them work on stuff. But the question is, I just don't produce enough writing at this point to support something like that, right? It's just, it is, it is just not practical. So I, I don't really know how this is, this is going to proceed. And this is partly why I am doing this information gathering stage on the people who have applied. Because I could easily see, you know, one of two outcomes for this. I could, I could see either having one person who does a large amount of work for me or i could see rotating between a few people and one of the interesting things about this submission process which i did expect but didn't explicitly want to say is that a couple of people ignored what was seemingly the most important piece of advice which was you are to animate this video in my style. And I anticipated that some people would just totally ignore that, but still produce very interesting work. And so I have a couple of submissions which fall into that category of, this is obviously not a video that I could have ever produced. No one would watch this and think, boy, CGP Grey got a little bit better at animating. It's like, no, no, no. CGP Grey did not get this good at animating. Like, somebody else did this. This does not look like his style at all. And so those submissions are interesting in a different way. Maybe there's a way that the future of the CGP Grey channel, that it has rotating styles. That 
Just like in the past, I have had Canute do animation for a few of my videos, the Lord of the Rings videos, the Star Trek videos. Uh, like maybe going forward in the future, there might be a couple of different animation styles. You already do have different styles, though. Right. Like you have the the like the slideshowy type ones, like uh-huh. the the royal family tree and the um, political mm-hmm. ones, like the voting mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. But then you also have like Gray Explains, where it's little stick figure guy talking. Right. <laughs> or you go like full on stock footage, fifteen minute mini documentary. <laughs> right. So. What you are saying right now is the thing that everybody I have spoken to says right back to me. Like, you know you already do this, right? <laughs> like, you don't, you don't actually have a single style that every single video looks like. You already do this. And so part of me feels like that is quite naturally the solution going forward. That the people that I am working with might end up just having their own style. So I have a couple of different looking things on the channel. But now the only thing that's different is that it is other people who have made them. It is not me. Because from my perspective, since I have made all the videos, I think I over-assume their visual similarity to the viewer because I have made them, if if you see what I mean. And so I was saying like, oh, if I have other people doing different things, it'll look just crazy different every single video. But I, I imagine that that is largely the experience of the viewer already. It's like, oh, this video looks nothing like the other CGB Grey videos. And, you know, if, if you go back earlier in the channel, like there's tons of videos that don't even have the notion of stick figure CGB Grey. Like mm-hmm. there's a bunch of videos that don't even have that. What now feels like a constant element, right? But it was totally missing from probably half of my videos. I've got to say, I tip my hat to those people. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? It's a ballsy move. It is It is a total ballsy move. And I think that that shows a level of creativity which and confidence, which could be beneficial. Those people were confident enough in their own style and their own ability that they could create something that was different, even though you explicitly asked for the same. Yeah, and this is... This is kind of what I was I was getting at last time we were talking about talent, uh, but I still want to be a little bit indirect about it, that the people who are going to do that, they're just going to do that anyway. Yeah. Right. This because is... they, they believe in their own ability, which they should. Right. You know? Sometimes that goes terribly wrong. Uh-huh. Like I did I did uh reject very quickly some videos that made that move, uh-huh. but in a way like, no, this is this is not going to work. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is it is the daring move. And it's it's an interesting move. Um, and it, like I said, it, I was anticipating that this would happen, but uh, I wasn't going to bank on it as a 100% certainty. Hey, so a couple of times you have mentioned that something kept you busy. <laughs> like you said that you had to take some days off because you were busy, etc. <laughs> what's, what's going on over there? What are you doing? Oh, uh, you know, it's just... Just gray industries. It's uh-huh. such a it's such a massive global venture. There's yeah. always there's always something going on. Those wheels just keep on turning, huh? <laughs> yeah, they do. I just I had an experience which was again where having started this process of trying to get someone as an animator for the YouTube channel. And also the the thing that happened before with us where you helped me get uh, an editor for Hello Internet. Mm-hmm. Like having those two experiences have turned out to be extremely useful in in the past two weeks 
because related to hiring, I was able to do a thing that I know eight weeks ago would have seemed like an incredible, difficult task, but now became a thing that I just did in between shows without really mentioning it to you, <laughs> which was I I had a thing that I needed to do uh, for the company. I'm not going to specify what that thing is. I will let people in the Reddit speculate because people love to speculate on stuff. But basically, I had a project that needed to get done and sort of unexpectedly needed to get done. And I thought, okay, this is... I'm, I'm like a person who tries to find freelancers to work with now. I, I, I can do this. Let, let me see if I can just quickly get some people to do this thing for me. And so I was really pleased that I had this thing that needed to be done. I wrote up a basic job description of what needed to occur. I passed off the relevant information about here are the key characteristics of what I'm looking for to my personal assistant. I had her go look out for a list of candidates who matched these various criteria. Uh, she gave me a short list of five people. I selected it down to a list of three people. I then had three people work on a thing simultaneously uh, as a test for each of them. Uh, and then two of those three people worked out with doing this thing precisely the way that I needed to be done. And so now I have two freelancers to be able to call on for a particular task when I need to get done. And I feel like this thing just happened. It was like, boom, 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 boom. Here's another time where I feel like I'm being a CEO. There's a thing I need done. Oh, I have people to help me with hiring. I'm going to make some decisions about the individuals. I'm going to pay people to do this work. And then I'm going to be able to see right away if it was done properly. And it was just done. And it was just a thing. It was like, done, sorted, solved. And I feel like Without Cortex, that would never have happened. That would have been a huge disaster and huge time sink, uh, much more than it was just for a couple of days. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was good. It was a good experience, Mike. Wow, look at you. Yeah. How long did this process take? From start to finish, it was probably three days, but it was also a relatively small amount of my time and attention. Yeah. It was a bit of a panicky thing because it needed to be done straight away, uh, which is why it diverted my mental attention. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the actual amount of time that I spent, it was relatively small. And I, th- I just think like this was this was just an interesting thing to occur well, and was one of the ways in which, I don't know, people change over time. Yeah. Like, again, this would have just been a, a much more difficult task a long time ago. This would have been horrible for you a couple of months ago. You would have done everything you could to avoid this process. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Of, like, admitting that you needed help. Right. And then trying to go out to the open world to find it. Right. Then judging the work and dealing with people. Like, yeah. It's like everything you hate. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was absolutely terrible. Uh, but it was... It, it also just, to me, falls into this category of the theme of the year of less as with so many of these things of me trying to do less. And when I was thinking about this of like, okay, I need someone to help with this task. I was, I was originally thinking like, okay, let me try to find one person and I'll test one person and I'll do that. And like, but no, wait, this needs to be done quickly. And so this also goes back to the spreadsheets that I still need to help you make at some point, Mike, mm-hmm. I was able to kind of think about this as this is a thing that I need solved quickly what is like what is the cost calculation of having three people just do it if i just pay them to do it and using that essentially as also the job application 
And it's like, okay, well, the return on investment for this from a business perspective says just do it. Like you need this thing done quickly and the cost to trying to do it sequentially doesn't make sense. It was an interesting way to realize of, of how to try to solve a problem relatively quickly in a very, I am thinking about this as a CEO. I am not thinking about this as me, a person trying to solve a problem. So yeah, Cortex, changing lives, even mine. Today's episode of Cortex is also brought to you by one of my favorite companies, and that is FreshBooks. I love FreshBooks because they help me save time and stress when it comes to running my business, and they can help you too. And it all starts with the pain-free invoicing that they have honed over time to make absolutely perfect and simple. It takes just 30 seconds to get an invoice set up, and then once you've sent it out to your client, they're able to pay you super fast and easy easy because FreshBooks allow you to integrate a myriad of payment services like card and PayPal and their own payment service as well. This means that you're going to get paid five days faster on average. All you need to be is a FreshBooks customer and you're going to get paid faster and you're able to track everything much easier as well. You'll be able to actually see if when someone's received your invoice, if they've looked at it, if they've printed it. So you don't have to chase people up. You know where it is in the system and you don't need to send any of those awkward, have you seen my email? Emails. You don't need to do those anymore with FreshBooks. You're able to keep track of your receipts if you want to. You're able to keep track of your expenses if you want to as well. And if you're in the US, you can automatically import your bank transactions for easy reconciliation. FreshBooks can become the home of your finances for your business, and I love them for that. They have tons of great third-party integrations, great reports so you can easily see who owes you what, and fantastic support. So the core of FreshBooks is something they really, really believe in, and you'll see it once you become a FreshBooks customer. They're offering a 30-day free trial to listeners of this show with no credit card required. Claim your 30 days of unrestricted use. Trust me, just go check them out. Go to freshbooks.com slash cortex and please enter Cortex in the How You Heard About Us section so FreshBooks knows that you came to them from this show. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for sponsoring Cortex and Relay FM. Uh, great. What is Colmac? <laughs> Are you thinking about switching keyboard layouts, Mike? No, I've just come across a word I'd never heard of before. <laughs> a ton of feedback. Colmac is better. You should try Colmac. That's what I've been told. Look, the internet is an endless fractal of opposing wars of things right it's like oh there's apple versus ibm right or like there's there's mac versus pc i was like okay well we're all on the mac side oh well now now it's ios versus osx right and oh okay and then it's like these things go on forever and ever and ever and there is nothing that you can mention that there is not going to be some other side for no matter how obscure you get so the question is are you in the point oh 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 one percent of the population considering switching to a dvorak keyboard guess what you have many options right and people are going to argue with you about which of the variations is the best one uh, so everything everything devolves into these kind of little wars but the answer to your question is that Colmac is another alternative keyboard, uh, just as Dvorak is designed to minimize finger movement. Colmac is also designed to minimize finger movement, but my understanding of it is that it is also optimized to be easier to switch to. So that that uh, 
when it was being designed, the question was not, let's minimize the amount of finger travel. The question was, let's minimize the amount of finger travel and also minimize the amount of keys that we're actually going to move. Yeah, I'm looking at a layout now, and it's very similar, very similar. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the standard uh, copy, cut, paste keys that everybody in the world uses, th- those are not moved on purpose because everybody has that just burned into their brain about co- uh, cut, copy, paste. There's a few other frequent keys that are not moved, but th- that is my understanding is Colmac is designed to make switching simpler, which yeah, is like why... Yeah, like using OS... 10 it would X? be better yeah sure that one too because like the, the q and w are in the same place for like the quit and close windows and stuff like that i can see yeah. how like especially as a mac user it would maybe be easier to switch to Comac. yeah my, my feeling is for it's it's been funny i've been getting a lot of uh a lot of twitter messages and messages from people uh telling me that they have decided to switch and that they now understand the feeling like you've had a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh God, that was not a joke. That is legitimately the feeling of trying to type on a new keyboard layout. As a QWERTY user, looking at Dvorak, it's it's like a nightmare. Like it everything looks alien. is it just looks horrific. It's all over the place. Yeah. I like the people that have also I've seen a couple of people that have sent in pictures of uh photos or printouts of the Dvorak layout on the top of their monitor. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, like how you good. did that i've mm-hmm, seen a few mm-hmm. people have taken that on yeah i even though i use dvorak i feel the need to re-emphasize although possibly too late for many that i i don't i don't promote switching just for funsies right? <laughs> like, i think you need a really good reason to want to switch and yeah Switching because it's the more efficient layout, I think, is not a good decision. <laughs> if you need to switch to Dvorak because you have a really good reason to do so. Uh, not not for, oh, it'll be a little faster or it's a little bit more efficient. Like that's, that's, I think that is not good enough for the transition costs. I can't even imagine the minuscule amount of people in the world that it actually would affect to have more efficiency with typing. Exactly. (laughs) What sort of difference are you looking at here? If you're going to double your typing speed, it might be good. (laughs) Right. But you're not. No, you're you're not not doing that, buddy. Yeah. And so the amount of time you lose over a couple of months getting back your regular typing speed, you're never going to recover that over the course of the whole rest of your life because Dvorak may or may not be slightly faster or more efficient. One thing that has been kind of rattling around my brain that I'm not sure that I fully understand from our discussion last week is why changing keyboard layout would have helped your hands. You're still making the same movements, right? But just in different locations. Yeah, it's an, like this is why this is why I'm a, like a reluctant Dvorak promoter and, and barely even a, a Dvorak promoter because... Well, last week would have said different. <laughs> like a soliloquy (laughs) (laughs) i think if you listen back last time if you didn't cut it i i did say something like all i know is that when i switched to dvorak i stopped having problems Mm -hmm. that that is a very different statement from dvorak will solve all of your problems and make all of your dreams come true man i could just cut that section out and just use that part (laughs) yeah there you go perfect (laughs) this is the problem with you doing the edit Uh um I imagine it was a it was a combination of many things at the time. I think it was certainly a, a combination of taking a big break from typing when I had a problem. Uh, I think it was 
almost certainly being forced to get back into typing very slowly uh, because I wasn't able to type very quickly. And then I think those two things started me down on the right path. And then now that I type with Dvorak, I think that the amount I am moving my hands is now under the threshold that would cause me RSI problems, right? Whereas before with QWERTY, I think it was over the threshold. But I may not be representative of the general population. It's very possible that I am right on the edge with that kind of thing. Whereas everybody with RSI problems, they have some threshold. Some people's thresholds are naturally higher. Some people's thresholds are naturally lower. And that is going to affect what helps you or what doesn't help you. And so I I suspect that typing-wise, I was right on some threshold where changing to Dvorak switched. But if your sensitivity to RSI problems is very high, switching to Dvorak might not help you at all. Right. Uh, It might just cost you some time and not be beneficial. So that, that's why I, I, I always try to be really careful when I talk about it, to say like, it helped me, but I'm not sure that I can universally recommend it. Though I would say if you are having RSI problems, it doesn't necessarily hurt to try, like, because what else are you going to do? Like you yeah. can try different split keyboards. Like there's a bunch of stuff that you, you can try. And Dvorak is one of those tools. And, uh, you know, I've, I've used split keyboards. Like I've done a bunch of that other stuff, but I, I, I think switching the layout was, was the thing that worked well for me, but I am not a doctor. I do not play one on a podcast. All I will say is, um, with the Colmac people, I don't know how much easier it is to actually switch to Colmac. My suspicion is that if you're going to Dvorak or you're going to Colmac, either way, you're going to feel like you've had a stroke. <laughs> like I can't imagine it's going to be that much of a difference. Uh, so I think that the thing that really matters is just knowing that whatever device you are going to use has software level support for the keyboard that you are going to use. Like that is the primary feature. Okay, Mike. Last week, I told you about the one true email app, which is Unibox. And I would like to know if you have tried it since then. I have set up Unibox on all of my devices. Hey. Um, and I've played with it. Mm-hmm. And I can see a utility for it. But I don't think I will use it as much as you do. Mm. I know exactly when I will use Unibox. When is that? When I go on trips. Okay, so why why on trips versus other times? What what is your thinking here? So when I'm when I'm on trips, this can be vacations or work trips, I have less time to devote to email. So whenever I do open my email inbox, I would like to be able to at a glance pick out important things and that would be by person. Hmm. So it's very likely that, you know, if I'm not looking at email for a few days, I might have a few emails from a few important people and they'll be grouped together in Unibox. And it's a better way, I think, to manage a large inbox. Mm-hmm. So I will definitely use it then, which is why I'm keeping it installed, because I know that at times where I can only just dip into this and pick out important things, and I know there's going to be a lot more in there than usual, this would be a really good way at a glance to get a view of what is happening. Hmm. 
Hmm. Which is why I also think that this app is kind of made for your style of email because that's kind of how you. I mean, it sounds like I'm making a joke, but I'm being serious. Like it's this is how you kind of always do your email, right? Is it all you will let it build up, then you go in and you chop away at it, but mostly you need to see email from maybe one person. Yeah, and that's what makes your situation different to most other people. Yeah, this, this was something which uh, someone in the Reddit left a comment along the lines of like, Unibox is the perfect email app if you only check your email once a week. That is very accurate. <laughs> I, I realized in retrospect, like, I think I had not quite really articulated that, but it, that really got a laugh out of me because I realized as soon as I read that, yes, of course, that is exactly the purpose of this email app is if you are checking your email all the time, the very feature that it is built around sort by sender is almost entirely useless to you. Uh, Whereas if you are someone like me who wants to check their email inbox once a week and then for as little time as humanly possible, then this is the email client for you. (laughs) I think it's more more than just sort by sender that makes it useful. It's the grouping. Yeah. You know, because I think you could have other apps. I know you've tried and not many do it, but sort by sender is an easy thing to do. It's just a different way to sort the inbox. But it's, it goes an extra step to group email from the same person, even if it's a different thread together. Right. That's that's right. a whole different scenario. Yeah. And that's that's what I that's what I totally love about it. I applaud doing it this way. Mm-hmm. Right. That you have a, a way of wanting to manage email that is different and going for it. I wish that more apps would do that, in all honesty. Like, find a thing that works for you and go for it. Like, it was one of the things that I loved about Mailbox, right? Like, the idea of Mailbox was focused around what they referred to as Inbox Zero, which Mm -hmm. is like a real twist on what it actually started out as being. Mm -hmm. But their idea was clear the email from your inbox, whether you are marking it as to-do, snoozing it for later, answering it or archiving it. But like at the end of the day, have nothing in there. And, mm-hmm. and I liked it because the whole app was built around that ideology. Whether it's right or wrong, like that was the way that they built their application. And that's what I also like about Unibox. And I wish that more email applications would come with some kind of overriding like theory to them. Right, some design philosophy around yeah. how should you handle messages. Yep, and that is exactly what my new email app has, which is do everything to them, I think is the overall theory of airmail. Uh-huh. Have you played with airmail on iOS? Uh, yes, I have played with airmail. It is the, uh, it's the white icon, right? It's like the white envelope, is that it? <laughs> yeah, it has an envelope on it. Do you know what one I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do know. Okay, good. But the envelope is thin blue lines. Is that airmail? Do you know what you've done to me? I just said envelope. Yeah? It should be envelope. Okay. Ugh, terrible. (laughs) This is what happens when you talk to Americans all day, Mike. Oh, I know. Mobile, mobile envelopes. This is just accent drift. There's there's no way to avoid this. I know. You You can hear this in my voice. If you go back and you listen to my early videos like you go back and you listen to that uk explain video the very first one i sound like a totally different person because that was the me who spoke to british people all day long right my my accent drifted in the opposite way and then since i left schools and don't talk to british people all day long my accent has very naturally just drifted back that's much more towards the normal american i wouldn't have expected that to happen 
In schools, I think it's worse because you're aiming when you're talking in front of children to be non-distracting. And so I was actually uh, very conscious, particularly when I was teaching, of having a much softened version of my American accent. Right. But that's exactly my thinking with my accent. Yeah. I soften it down for the Americans. Exactly. Because otherwise the Americans will go, <laughs> LOL, listen to the way you said that word. <laughs> right? That's So you learn you have to talk in a certain way to not distract your American co-hosts. Uh-huh. Isn't that isn't that what happens? Yep, that's exactly my thinking. Anyway. <laughs> but so accent drift, it, it happens to everybody. There's no way around it. And you are just in the funny situation that even though you live in the United Kingdom, <laughs> the vast majority of words you speak at this point are to non-British people. I mean, that has to be the case, right? Oh, yeah. Well, because I tend to speak to either American people right. or a Romanian person. Exactly. Well, that's what I was thinking, right? It's like you're not even you're not even normalizing back at home. No, right? there's you're you're being pulled in an entirely other way yep. uh, back at home. So, uh, yeah, that's it's, it. Should be no surprise that you were saying, on, I don't even know envelope envelope. What did, envelope envelope? Okay, instead of envelope. <laughs> so just after we recorded our last episode, uh, mm-hmm. Canvas, which is another show on Relay FM, mm-hmm. which is kind of iOS focused, they did a whole big episode about third-party email clients. And Federico was really pushing Airmail, and he had previously written a big review about it, and I decided to check it out. And I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Um, it is rough around the edges, in places like it does some weird stuff like it has some weird bugs and there's some ui stuff that i'm not massively keen on but i feel like and i've heard that there's going to be some changes which would be a bit nicer for my eyes yeah but it also does the custom imap screwing around thing that's i just realized that's why i know airmail because i've been trying to delete their custom imap folders from my setup for a while and they keep coming back because it must be installed somewhere that i don't know or it's it's waking up every once in a while yeah because it it will do snoozing and all that stuff but i don't use any of it like mm-hmm. it, it sets them up but if you just don't go buy into that it will just mm-hmm. they just live there as empty labels mm-hmm. um but what i really like about this application is it has tons of third-party integrations so like I'm very easily able to take an email and send it to OmniFocus. Mm-hmm. It will open yeah. OmniFocus, attach the whole text of the email as a note, which is so cool hmm. for me. So like say somebody sends me ad copy, I can add the whole copy that they've sent me to the OmniFocus note, reminding me to write it up. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing is is really nice to yep. be able to do. They can send... There's just so many services that it plugs into. And it also can do really powerful things with the email messages, like turn them into PDFs. Mm-hmm. Um, it has something that I've never seen any email app do in that you can take an email and save it in a folder in another email account. What? So say you receive, say you have multiple email accounts. Okay. And you get an email to cgpgray1 at gmail.com. Right. But really, you would like to save it in a folder that you have in cgpgray3 at gmail.com. Okay. It will let you take that email and save it in the folder in the other email account. Like it does some crazy stuff of like sending them around. But it's uh, just like, okay. it's just like right. a weird feature that I really like because this feels like an app that is made by people who deal with lots of email. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it has all these crazy little things that you can do. 
and they just had a new Mac app update come out. And so this is an all-around system, which is on all of my platforms. And if I want to, I can snooze emails, but I'm not getting back into that now. Right. Because right. I've learned to live without it. And I really like it. And it has one of my very favorite things. And it does it so well on all my devices. And this is my main reason, seriously, for, for sticking with this. Wait, wait. If I can remember, it was email notifications. Is that right? No. Nope. Is that what it was? Ah. It has notifications, which is fine. And notif- I remember notifications driving you crazy that she used to have, have an email app set up solely for the notifications. So that was just- that was a one time, yeah. But I tell you, the, the <laughs> notifications are so good. You can choose to pull down and read the entire email message. Nice. Which I really like. Uh, But no, my favorite feature is you can choose this. It does not mark an email as read until it is opened and acted upon. Oh, and acted upon. Yes. That's nice. That's a nice touch. So, because I am constantly in all of my email apps opening a message and then marking it as unread again. And that drives me crazy because I like to leave messages as unread Mm -hmm. until I do something with them. Mm -hmm. Um. And then sometimes I'll purposefully mark them as read, do something with the email, but leave it in my inbox. It's something I need to catch up on. But it's not an unread email anymore. So that's my own weird system. But I like that it has that feature and it has a bunch of different things that it will do. Uh, But I, yeah, I really like this application. There are tons of settings, tons of every setting. (laughs) So you can really go in and if you're willing to put the time in and kind of make this the email app that you want it to be. I'm really impressed with this, Gray. So do you think you have found an email home? I think so. That's that's very nice. Plus they charge for the application. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm 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 with you on this one as well. I get nervous when apps don't charge. It feels like but I, if you're important to me, I would like to give you money. I would like yep. to give you more money than you're charging because I want you to be around. Yep. Uh, so no, that's charging is a feature for important apps, but I think that's good. You are with Airmail. You may have found a home there. And since we did that, the last show where I was promoting Unibox, someone pointed out to me a, a, an additional feature of Unibox, which has now allowed it to become my only email app. Hmm. So last time I mentioned I had this funny workflow of flipping into mail for VIPs and then flipping back. But someone sent to me that there's a feature on the message list where you can pull down and have it only show messages from people who are in your contact book. And that's not exactly the same as VIPs, but it's a, to me, it's like a 70% solution. It's good enough um, uh, that if I can do this, then I don't have to bother flipping back into mail.app and using a different interface. So now I can just do my entire workflow in Unibox in one interface, in one place, and uh, I'm very happy. So I have found an email home, and you have found an email home. For now, anyway, because the wheel always keeps turning. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the great wheel of email. <laughs> yeah. In a week, we'll, yeah, we'll be complaining about it again. <laughs> well, can I, it, in context, episode one, like I'm looking at my home screen, it's a completely different email application to what I'm using now. The email application <laughs> on my home screen doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that ugly, ugly home screen. Uh, rest in peace, little buddy. Think about how much better your life is after you've met me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was a worthy cortex anniversary episode, Mike? Well, I mean, we spoke about email. 
<laughs> I guess <laughs> it's an excellent point. Email is central to all of the all of the work that occurs in our lives. So I think so. I think I think maybe you're right there. Well, yeah, it is kind of perfect because the gift for a first anniversary is paper and emails are just electronic paper. That's the traditional gift. Clocks are the modern gift. What do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs>